This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. By now, we all know the details. A gunman shouting anti-Semitic slurs opened fire at a synagogue in Pittsburgh on Saturday, killing 11 people, including a woman born and raised here in Toronto, a couple in their 80s, and a 97-year-old woman. It was the deadliest assault ever on the Jewish community in the United States. It comes amidst a growing climate of hate and division in the United States, where extremists on all sides feel emboldened to express their hatred freely. What's different here is that anti-Semitism is a hatred that's been with us for 2,000 years, and North America in the 21st century is a time and place we believed was free of it, at least mostly. We're going to look at all aspects of this tragedy, at the impact on the community and on other Jewish communities, at how we move forward, and whether this can become a watershed moment that can end all this violence. I want to hear from you, of course. The numbers to call, 416 360 0740, toll free 1 866 740 4740. And we are going to begin with Jim Busis, the CEO and publisher of the Pittsburgh Jewish Chronicle, and Michael Mostyn, the chief executive officer of B'nai B'rith Canada. Uh, welcome to you both. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, let's start with you, Jim Busis, in Pittsburgh, how uh, are you doing? How is your community doing? People are still in shock, and I think it'll take a number more days to process things. But uh, I think people are bearing up as well as can be expected. Uh, People are certainly relying on each other, and uh, it's... uh, it's, it's It's a lot to process, and it's been overwhelming uh, since Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you and your staff? Uh, you're not only in the midst of it, but you also have to cover it. Yeah, we kind of have a double whammy. Um, uh, we, uh, Because we're a Jewish paper, uh, we do shut down for 24 hours for Shabbat, the Jewish Sabbath, so we couldn't really even start to work on this until Saturday night, and um, uh, we've just been kind of going nonstop. And on the one hand, we are personally affected by our friends, relatives, neighbors, uh, where we live. On the other hand, we know that this is probably the most important story that we'll have to cover this year and maybe even, you know, in our careers. And so we're trying to work hard to give our community the best the best news and coverage we can. Michael Mostyn, I'd like to bring you in. Um, I guess the the feeling among many people in the Jewish community, it happened in Pittsburgh, uh, could have happened elsewhere, right? Uh, well, unfortunately, yes. Um, this this could have easily happened anywhere. And uh, and as you know, Libby, it's uh, the Jewish community. We're a small community. 
um, we're a tightly knit community. And um, it's, it's not something you want to see anywhere, but with the sort of uh, regular incitement, unfortunately, towards the Jewish community, um, um, and the fact that both in the United States and in Canada, how Jews remain uh, the most targeted uh, minority group and religious group, um, it's, it's just something that we need to remain vigilant and, um, and unfortunately sometimes prepared for, for tragedies such as this, when, when those people act on incitement. Jim, um, Pittsburgh is kind of known as a place of tolerance, and yet this is the site of uh, the worst attack on the Jewish community in the United States history. How are you making sense of that? Well, I, I think you have to differentiate between a city and a community overall and a specific individual. Overall, uh, the city actually does get along very well. Um, uh, we have a lot of good uh, actually, the Jewish community itself uh, is more closely knit than in, in many other cities, uh, most other cities, and we have good relations with Christian, Muslim, Hindu, other religions, neighbors, and we all work together well and play together well in general, and that remains true. Squirrel Hill itself, although it is the center of the Jewish community, has a large number of Jews. It also has a large number of other people, and it's actually also simultaneously becoming sort of the Chinese center of Pittsburgh as well. Uh, but then you have individuals, and uh, and there are people everywhere who are just off the end of the spectrum. And whether we don't know if he was mentally stable or not, but even if uh, he was, there are people who are consumed by hate and conspiracy theories and wacky thoughts, and those people exist everywhere. And uh, you can't generalize to a whole community from the acts of one person. Um, yeah. Um, Michael Mostyn, what is the role of the Internet in all of this? Uh, we've known for a long time that uh, the Internet, that, that extremist groups, extremist anti-Semitic groups have found a home on the Internet, community on the Internet. And how is that playing into the problem? Um, the internet and social media, uh, unfortunately, has become a real soapbox um, for those marginal elements of society that are extremist and hateful. Uh, whereas in the past, uh, you might have had some um, some groups, um, loose knit extremist groups, printing stuff in their basement and uh, throwing it on the windshield of, of cars at the local shopping center. Nowadays. Um, anybody that's a, that's a hateful individual can stand up on their on their uh, Twitter or or any other social media platform and just spew their their vile hatred, believing themselves to be anonymous, and um, and and different groups, and even sometimes groups that don't completely align with each other, other than their joint hatred of Jews, um, can can work together uh, to promote conspiracy theories uh, and, and hateful rhetoric that, that do sometimes incite people to act violently. Uh, Michael, can you also tell me, I mean, um, what kinds of increased security Jewish communities here in, in Toronto and I guess all around North America uh, are having to uh, stage now? 
Well, you know, as you know, Libby, um, you know, this is, you know, security is not something that's new to our community because although we've never experienced a tragedy like this in America or in, or in North America, um, we, we have been vigilant as a community because we have been attacked in other parts of the world. That, that vigilance is going to continue. Most synagogues already have uh, security protocols. They're going to be continuing those protocols. Um, the police are well aware in Canada of what's going on. It is a different situation here in Canada. We, we have stronger gun laws in this country, um, but that doesn't mean that we aren't potential targets here too. So we will continue our, our vigilance, but um, you know, those, those who hate our community need to understand that although we are very sad uh, and, and angry and upset uh, by this, we are not afraid and um, and and Jews are going to remain strong uh, and and keep that that self-respect strong, and, and we're going to continue going to synagogue, and this is not going to change our way of life. Uh, I gather that Toronto police are stepping up uh, their protection of Jewish places. Is that right? Uh, that's right. They they are they are increasing um, their patrols. Um, to ensure that our community is safe. There is going to be a community vigil at 7 p.m. at Mel Lassman Square, and I'm sure that we will see a, uh, a strong security presence there as well. So, uh, yes, our, our partners uh, in the safety and security space um, in Canada, I'm sure, will, will be doing their utmost to, uh, to keep uh, our community safe, uh, particularly at this, this heightened time. Uh, Jim Busis, uh, Michael brought up uh, the issue of, of gun laws, and I know it always comes up after a mass shooting, uh, which happens all too frequently in the United States. The, the uh, perpetrator had 21 guns regi- registered to him. Uh, is, is there a Jewish community position on this, or is this one of those things that breaks down on party lines? Well, here um, I, I have to say that um, any, in this incident, I think the discussion is has an additional element than you normally have after, say, a school shooting. Uh, there is the issue of the gun laws in this country, but there's also, as Michael was saying, the issue of this uh, long-standing pervasive anti-Semitism, which is a completely separate issue and which really needs to be addressed in its own right. But specifically on the gun laws, you can say two things about the American Jewish community, which should not be surprising if you think about it. One is it is diverse in all respects, and we have people at every, not only every end of the political spectrum, but every point in between. There is no single overall view on the issue of gun control. Um, uh, There's no single consensus position, and, uh, and there are many Jewish organizations and different organizations will take different positions. Having said that, in general, um, statistically, more of the American Jewish population is more towards the liberal end than the conservative end of the political spectrum, and more of them vote consistently with the Democratic Party than the Republican Party, and more organizations would speak out in favor of more gun control laws rather than uh, the reverse. And so there is no single consensus, but I think that 
uh, a majority of the Jewish population was for more gun control before this and will continue to be after this. Eleven progressive Jewish leaders signed a letter from uh, from Pittsburgh, signed a letter saying that uh, Trump was not welcome in Pittsburgh until he uh, repudiates white nationalism. Uh, Do you agree with that? So let let me just put this in context for a second. Um, And and I know some of these people, I don't know all of them, I know some of them. Um, They are the leaders of the Pittsburgh chapter of a national Jewish organization called Bend the Ark. Uh, Both the national organization and the local, this is a new organization that just started in the last couple of years. It's in the context of American Jewish organizations, very small. Jewish organiz- the Jewish community is very well organized. We have uh, dozens and dozens of organizations, and there are long-standing major organizations uh, that have many members and uh, have take various positions on different things. Ben the Ark is not one of them. They're, they're, it's a fine organization, and I'm glad that they're involved in our political process and discussion, and they certainly have a right to say what they want to say. Um, but they are only speaking for themselves. You should not consider this to be representative of the overall Jewish community. And and specific contrast, um, both last night and then this morning on CNN, uh, Rabbi Jeffrey Myers, who's the rabbi of Tree of Life Synagogue, the, the main synagogue where the attack uh, took place, uh, he said it's time to tone down the hate speech on all ends of the political spectrum, and he specifically said uh, that I'm a citizen of the United States, Donald Trump is my president, and he's certainly welcome in Pittsburgh. So not everybody agrees with the position that that they laid out in that open letter. Okay. Uh, Let's take a call from Joanne in Mississauga. Hi, Joanne. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? I'm good, thanks. I just have a comment to make. I just don't understand why this world is so full of hate towards people with other religions other than their own. And I just wanted to sympathize with the Jewish community. I, I just don't understand it. Yeah, a lot of people don't. Joanne, uh, thank you for that sentiment. Okay, thank you. Okay. Uh, Michael Mostyn, um, what does this leave us with here? I mean, Jewish communities, if it happens to one, often it feels like happens to all of them. It absolutely does, uh, Libby. And um, um, that's why, you know, we're going to remain uh, vigilant. Um, and we're going to continue um, to push aggressively within the the established legal frameworks that we have, uh, certainly here in this country, and I'm sure Jewish groups will as well within the United States, we need to ensure that there's consequences for those uh, who incite to hatred, for those who incite others uh, to act violently upon these hatreds. Uh, anti-Semitism has been around for at least 3,000 years and um, and unfortunately, it is as strong as ever today in in North America and around the world. So we really need to to say that it's it's completely unacceptable, completely unacceptable um, uh, to uh, to incite. And we must combat anti-Semitism in all of its forms, 
in all of its forms, whether it's from the political left, from the political right, whether it's religiously motivated um, in an ideology of a particular faith, um, um, and, and, and whether it's, it's religious or not, uh, it, it comes from secular places as well. Um, it, it really must be compatible in a systematic format, um, and we need government support of our community to continue to do that. Okay, uh, Michael Mostyn and Jim Busis, uh, we wish you all the very best, um, as good as things can be, just to get through the next little while. Is there something you would like to leave us with? I just mentioned, as uh, in cases of interest to your listeners, that I wouldn't say that Pittsburgh and Toronto are sister cities, but they're very close to each other. And uh, I know there's a lot of back and forth. And in particular, there are two Toronto um, Jewish summer camps in the Halliburton Highlands that many people from Pittsburgh have gone to over the year. And I, I personally, actually, when I was a, a teenager, went to a, a Toronto summer camp. Okay, all the best to you both, uh, Jim Busis and Michael Mostyn. Thanks very much for being with us. Great. Thank you, Libby. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be back with more on this devastating event. Before we go to break, the numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back to this special edition of Fight Back. We are talking about that terrible event in a Pittsburgh synagogue on Saturday at the beginning of Sabbath services, a gunman burst in, killing 11 people for no other reason than they were Jewish. So uh, the timing of this terrible event is somewhat ironic because the tragedy happened as we prepare to mark Holocaust Education Week. I'd like to bring in Avi Ben Lolo, President and Chief Executive Officer of the Friends of Simon Wiesenthal Center. Hi, Avi. Afternoon. So, first of all, what have you been hearing from your community since this happened, and, and, and what is your reaction here in Toronto? Uh, well, our reaction is that uh, we, we're heartbroken. Everybody is devastated. We feel like we're kind of in a haze. Uh, the Jewish community is very interconnected, very tied uh, together, as we've heard. One of the victims is originally from Toronto, and so uh, there is this uh, bond that we share. And of course, um, you know, we're you know we, we see this as completely senseless and uh, uh, unimaginable. And uh, just in the, there has been a, an increase in the number of anti-Semitic incidents recently. There's an increase in a lot of uh, vile ideas expressed on the internet. In the context of that, uh, are you surprised? Well, you know, uh, look, it's always shocking when it happens, and we never expect it to happen, and we take every precaution possible to ensure that it doesn't, um, which is why we focus so much on educating and advocating but against it. But, um, you know, in the context of, our, of the times we live in with the spiraling tide of uh, anti-Semitism just increasing and the rhetoric uh, online and um, not just online, you know, in the community in general, you know, you've got 
you know, boycotts against uh, Israel, which is in the embodiment of the state of Israel that is, are being promoted by groups. And you've got newsletters that are white supremacist in nature circulating um, even the city of Toronto. Um, you know, so we're not surprised because um, there is very little that, that is actually being done about it. And, uh, and so we're calling for that kind of action at the Wiesenthal Center. Uh, when you say there's nothing being done about it, so what are you looking for? Well, look, our, our viewpoint is, uh, you know, aside from, from what we do is educating, we believe that uh, we need to strengthen our hate crime laws uh, here in Canada in general. And even though we do have hate crime laws that are greater than that of our neighbor down south, uh, it's very hard to to get people charged, first of all, for hate crime and then get convictions. Um, we believe that that is a strong deterrence uh, for, for this kind of activity. And we'd like to see that, uh, you know, that taken a little bit more seriously by authorities. Why do you think it's hard to get people charged? Why do I think? Well, it's really the, the mechanism, um, you know, in order for, for a hate crime charge to take place, you have to have the Attorney General's consent. Um, most hate crimes, in fact, many hate crimes are, are actually, because they, they can't go through the hate crime category, uh, you know, the perpetrators are actually charged for, vic- for uh, mischief. Uh, and that's really the police's way to to deal with the, with with people like that. Um, and so the process of actually um, bringing a hate crime conviction to play is very very cumbersome. And so um, you know that allows it. Look, we see it in again in Toronto streets with various uh, anti-Israel, which become anti-Jewish rallies. And that uh, foment, foments this, this hate, and I think we all have to look at this as a, as a comprehensive package. You know, why is the rhetoric against uh, the Jewish people and the Jewish community up, and why are we allowing this to continuously happen year after year? Uh, I, I'd like to ask you about, there, there are things which, or words, which are referred to as, quote, dog whistles. So the word nationalist supposedly denotes uh, white nationalists. The word globalist uh, denotes a Jew. Um, what's your What's your take on that whole end of things? I don't know. You know, it doesn't matter. The Jewish people are are always uh, impacted by various labels. I mean, you know, uh, we've been called communists, we've been called capitalists, we've been called socialists. It, it, you know, it doesn't matter. It's it's all anti-Semitism, and there's always a reason. You know, Zionists. Uh, there's always. It seems like that there is always a reason. And the bottom line is that an anti-Semite, someone with hate and intolerance against uh, uh, Jewish people. Um, is looking for um, various excuses to to demonize them and go after them in this way. And that's just a historical factor. Um, how is this attack different than all of the other attacks that we've seen? Well, it, look, in terms of, um, you know, the U.S., apparently it's, uh, it's the worst uh, attack uh, against a Jewish institution and, and a community. It's obviously over the Saturday, the Sabbath, where, you know, uh, Jewish people are praying peacefully and, um, you know, probably are in their most vulnerable state. And, um, and so it's, uh, it's devastating. It's in a neighborhood, a very quiet street. 
um, and and so it hits home, and it it could have happened anywhere. It could have happened in Toronto or Montreal or Vancouver. It, it you know this kind of thing is is shocking because it's you know the Jew the Jewish people there were so vulnerable um, to this, and um, you know the anyway it was a complete nightmare when you really think about it. Okay, hang on. We're going to take a couple of calls. Let's go to Joan in Oshawa. Hi, Joan. Hello, Joan. Are you there? Yeah, she's listening on delay. Shalom, Libby. Okay, thank you. Hi. Yes. Uh, Yes, you're on the air. Go ahead. Uh, Joan, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, what would you like to say? Well, this is a tragedy real tragedy. I love the Jewish people. And I've always, always, since the the Second World War, when I was old enough to know what had happened, I'd always had a heart for the people of Israel. And this hate has to stop. It has to stop. It's, It's just, it's tearing the world apart. And it's God is looking down, and there's going to be a they're, they're going to have a lot to answer for. And um, I support the Jewish people um, when I can. Uh, there is a pastor in Israel that um, myself and my family uh, are t- tithing to, and uh, we need more. Gentiles to stand up and speak out mm-hmm. okay. for the for the Jewish people because we can't leave them on their own. We have to show That's Israel good. and the Jewish people worldwide that they do have support. So come on, people, please. Thanks Help. very much for that, Joan. Um, there are a lot of good people uh, of all faiths who have reached out, right, Avi? Yes, uh, we've gotten countless uh, uh, emails and, and calls from people of all faiths uh, reaching out uh, to us. But, you know, your caller is, is correct. Um, look, the Jewish people make up about 13 million people in total. We're not a lot of people. And um, that's always a shocking number, um, you know, when I, when I tell people that, because, you know, the impression is, is otherwise. We're rather quite small, and so we need... Everybody's help, um, you know, as your current caller just said, you know, people stepping up and denouncing this and calling a spade a spade. Um, and so that would be very much welcome. And I really appreciate the sentiments that were just made. Yeah, we've uh, we've heard from several people um, all saying the same thing. It, it, it seems really inexplicable. Um, let's take a call from Stephen. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Libby. Uh, as you say, it's ironical that it's Holocaust uh, week. Because uh, I've met what I've considered educated and intelligent people that have no idea that it happened, and some that they knew that it happened, did not, oh, this is just uh, propaganda. We need to be teaching this in school, uh, not, not only about uh, the Jews, but what happened uh, to the Muslims and um, Bosnovia, uh, what happened to the blacks, you know, that we need to teach 
what, what the genocides have been and educate the people and uh, say, look, you, you know, this hate has been around and uh, what, what do we do to exterminate the hate? Okay, Stephen, thanks for that. Okay. Uh, Avi, uh, he's talking about education. I, I saw a shocking statistic recently about the number of young people uh, who are aware of the Holocaust or even anything about the Second World War. Um, w- what are you doing to try to make up for that? Yeah, so, um, and, that, and that's a very good point because um, I do believe that education is really the key here. We are educating probably about 250 students uh, a day, um, about 1,000 a week, uh, about the Holocaust through our various programs, the Tour for Humanity and workshops. Um, we're out in a school right now, actually, in Woodbridge. Um, and so, you know, we are, you know, we believe that we need to educate as many people as possible about the Holocaust, but also in our educational programs, we do in fact touch on uh, Rwanda, Darfur, Bosnia, Cambodia. We talk about First Nations. Um, you know, we try to illuminate uh, the community at large about, um, look, humanity isn't great. I mean, when you look at history and what we do to each other as people, as human beings to one another, it's horrendous. And so what we try to do is educate about human propensity towards that evil, but also, human, more importantly, human propensity to doing good. So we, we, when we talk to students, we, we give them role models, like uh, Martin Luther King Jr. or Gandhi or Malala or Mother Teresa or Simon Wiesenthal. We tell them, look, you know, you know, focus on doing good every day in your life, in school, in your community, in your church, in your mosque, synagogue, whatever it is, you know, focus on doing something good and paying it forward, because we can all, all do that. We can have a ripple effect and improve society and make it better for everybody. And that's, that's the message of my organization. Okay, let's take a call from Evie in Toronto. Hello, Evie. Hi. Um, yeah, I'm heartbroken, angry. Um, but I, I really want to see this have, you know, a severe um, highest uh, penalty. I mean, this this calls to me for the death penalty. And well, the prosecutors it, are looking for the death penalty, which is legal over there. It it couldn't it shouldn't be anything less because this is going this is not you know acceptable, and it's so hard, you know, to. Um, to have that happen, and it sounds awful, but this is what has to happen. Well, I, mean, I don't know why, when everything, you know, everything's there, you know what happened. I, I can't understand why it's there is a it's so hard to do that to get that happening. Uh, it's 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 not hard in the United States in the states where they have it, um, and the prosecutors are going for the death penalty. Um, so there you go. Thanks, Evie. Um, Avi, is, it, it, does that play into it? I, I well, don't know I that think, any I think, penalty... I think, our rage, I think our rage should be directed at, yeah. at, at really focusing on the root, the root causes of this, and how it is, you know, because there's thousands more people like this. Okay, so we have to make sure that we prevent this from happening, that we have to make sure that we eliminate um, this problem. And so, you know, this entails everybody um, taking anti-Semitism seriously, educating about it, 
and speaking out and speaking up when necessary. And that's that's what I, I really feel strongly about. Okay, and, and what would you like to uh, leave us with, Avi? Well, I, you know, I guess exactly what, what I just said. Uh, we, we have to speak out. And um, uh, look, uh, you mentioned Holocaust Education Week, understanding the Holocaust, understanding that anti-Semitism was the consequence of the Holocaust. And anti-Semitism, you know, um, is, is, is centuries old. And so uh, we are asking uh, the community at large, Canadians, uh, to please speak out, speak about uh, the problem of anti-Semitism, and help us uh, be the solution. Okay. Avi Ben-Lolo from the Friends of Simon Wiesenthal Center for Holocaust Studies, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me today. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to look at how to heal. Uh, We're going to be talking to a rabbi um, from the congregation, that Joyce Feinberg, the 75-year-old victim who was born and raised here, uh, belonged to when she lived in Toronto. We're going to be talking to a psychologist, and like everything else, you know, these, these things affect some people worse than others, so we're going to take a look at that. I think uh, we're probably all uh, exposed to many of these things, so we'll be right back after the break. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. As we've learned, one of the victims, 75-year-old Joyce Feinberg, was born and raised in Toronto. She was confirmed and married at Holy Blossom Temple. And right now, I'd like to bring in one of the rabbis from Homely Blossom, Rabbi Yael Splansky, and also Dr. Oren Amate, who is a psychologist. Welcome to you both. Thank you for joining us. Thank, Thank you. you. Rabbi Splansky, obviously um, this is closer to your congregation than even to others. Uh, I believe that uh, relatives of Joyce Feinberg are members of your congregation and were there on the Saturday, right? Yes, that's right. Tell me about that. Well, you know, we're a very small people, the Jewish people. And um, um, when the news came through on Shabbat morning, on Saturday morning, um, a member of my congregation said, oh, I have a a cousin in Pittsburgh. And, uh, of course, she tried to reach out, and it wasn't long before the family um, was concerned and... um, by Sunday morning, the news was confirmed that, sadly, Joyce was among the 11 victims. And uh, uh, she basically grew up in your congregation as well. I know that was before your time. Yes, that's right. And still many friends here. People speak so well of her. And um, I'm already noticing how people from that time growing up here in our school Um, are reaching out to one another and sharing memories of Joyce. And, of course, the family will be traveling soon to Pittsburgh for the funeral. And um, what do you uh, plan to do with your congregation in order to help them move on from this? Well, as their rabbi, I've been in personal touch with each one, offering my condolences and support. Um, There is a community-wide vigil tonight. Um, I'm not sure if... Um, 
that's been part of your program yet, but I know that many people, and not only Jews, but our our friends and supporters, all all good people uh, of any faith or of no faith, are most welcome to come to that vigil and stand in solidarity um, to send a strong message that there's no place for hate in our city or in our country. Canada is better than this. I happen to believe the United States of America is also better than this, and that um, the small number of hateful people uh, need to be overwhelmed by messages of uh, care and concern and solidarity. I'd like to bring in Dr. Oren Amate. Dr. Amate, obviously this affects different people differently, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with how close they are. Right. It, it's um, the biggest thing I would say that uh, will determine how they are affected beyond, you know, if they know anybody closely or if they're geographically located close, is how they perceive what happened. And the rabbi mentioned a few very important points, one of which is we have to keep it in perspective. These are, thankfully, relatively rare events, number one. Um, uh, you know, we have to be vigil- vigilant, but we can't pretend or we shouldn't, uh, you know, let our children or our you know, loved ones believe that there's, a, you know, some horror lurking around every corner. Um, and number two, you know, there's solidarity, there's grief, there's shock, there's anger. But the most important thing that we have to be able to evoke in others is a spirit of resolve and resiliency. And if you can kind of encourage people to say this will not stop us, this will not allow us to hide in terror um, or to be consumed by hatred, then people have a much better chance of moving forward in a healthy way. Um, I I couldn't help but notice a couple of our callers were very emotional, uh, close to tears, um, not members of the Jewish community. So again, how does this affect some people more than others you know, regardless of their proximity? Well, for some people, they, and I don't want to sound cynical here, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to denigrate anybody, but some people, uh, because we are social animals, they feel a need to attach themselves to something, to a cause, to an issue, something greater than themselves. I mean, we all have that sense, but some people will attach it to these types of issues, um, maybe because they don't have other things going on in their lives, or they're extremely compassionate, and they're not able to erect the proper boundaries that we need psychologically so that we don't get overwhelmed by these things. Um, because if, if we look at it, every place on the planet has its horror stories constantly going. And what we have to do is, it's part of human nature, uh, but some people need to work on it more. We need to be able to put up, you know, again, psychological or cognitive boundaries so that we're not always feeling so overly empathic toward the suffering of, the, of others. It's not to deny it. It's not to be callous. It's just not to allow it to take over our being. And some people have a hard time with that, whether because of genetics or their personal history or something else. But that is, you know, why some people, again, regardless of any connection, will feel the connection. Rabbi Splansky, the first thing you mentioned was that vigil at 7 o'clock tonight in Mel Astman Square. How important are events like that? I think they're very important. Um, You know, there's nothing more fearful than feeling alone. Um, We sense the fragility of life when we're alone. We feel our vulnerabilities when we're alone. Our worst fears only are reinforced when they spin in our our minds when we're alone uh, in the quiet of our, our own corners. But when we come together 
and reinforce our strength in one another and our trust in one another, that's when um, the fears begin to fade. So um, for your callers who are so uh, emotional and upset by what's transpired, um, as we all are, I, I want to encourage them to come and when you're standing shoulder to shoulder with hundreds of good people who know what is right and know what is just, um, you will feel stronger, you will stand a little taller, and you'll go home um, with your fears diminished. Dr. Amate, uh, I'd like to touch on the opposite kind of reaction. You know, we now see so many shootings like this, horrible events play out you know, on our screens. And does that make us inured to it, or some people inured to it? Um, Sadly, it does. I mean, that's habituation. And when you see the same thing or you're exposed to the same um, events or anything else repeatedly, it does take away some of the shock value. Uh, Fortunately, we haven't become so cold or callous or cynical or whatever to not be shocked by it. Most people the question is, to what degree? So I think that we have to always, I mean, let's hope that um, everybody will always recognize the horror um, of what happened, because once you stop recognizing that such horror, uh, that, that is a sign that you're seeing others as not human or not uh, good enough to, to warrant such a reaction. So, you know, I don't want people to become overwhelmed, as I said earlier, but I don't want them to, to kind of, you know, let's say downplay uh, the enormity of such terrible acts because we have to make sure that that never even comes close to approaching a norm in anyone's mind. And um, how do you see events like a vigil? I, oh, I, I see, as the rabbi described, I was going to say that is such an important, um, uh, let's say, event because, um, again, we are social animals. So coming together... You know, feeding off each other's strength or empathy, compassion, um, feeling that you're there for a cause, uh, even if it's just, you know, a shoulder to cry on. Um, that is so important. It helps us regain our or retain our humanity. And as I said earlier about the need for resolve and resilience, it's much easier to do when you are with others, with like-minded others, rather than in isolation. And I think that's, you know, at any time, being isolated is a terrible feeling. At times like this, it's exacerbated. Rabbi Splansky, is there, are there plans to address this in the context of your services? Yes, those plans are just now coming together. Um, what I will say is that we are carrying on with Jewish life um, at Holy Blossom Temple and at every synagogue across the city. Um, yesterday I officiated at a, a wedding that was joyful, and I said to the bride and groom in my public address, there is no better antidote to yesterday's fear, Saturday's fear, than seeing this new Jewish family, this new Jewish home established. And um, that we will carry on. You know, we raise a glass, we say l'chaim to life, and um, we also find strength in that affirmation that uh, while we are a small people, we are an enduring people, and uh, we can draw strength from our history as well. Uh, It comes, this comes, uh, as we're about to mark, Holocaust Education Week that I would imagine... uh, you know, uh, there there are still some people old enough to remember that, that this must be particularly awful for them. 
Yes, yes. Um, and that is for, for all of us who live in the, the shadows of the Holocaust. Um, I think we need to be careful about watching for signs and patterns that signal um, that um, the, la- the groundwork can be laid to stir up hatred. Um, but I also think we have to be very careful to say now is not then. Um, and uh, we are not at risk uh, of repetition of that. We need to learn from our history, but now is not then, and I, I don't want your listeners to um, hear an alarmist message in that direction. Orin Amate, um, uh, how do you um, suggest people deal with that? Well, uh, you know, again, uh, the rabbi has been making a lot of poignant uh, comments, and uh, I think the most important thing, and I don't want to make this political, but I have seen far too many people these days take the opposite attitude, which is the attitude of victim, of oppressed, uh, you know, of marginalized peoples. And it's not to deny that such people exist, but it's a mindset. And if you think about it, you know, we have to, we have to encourage people to gain a sense of resiliency. Don't be ignorant of the history. Don't be ignorant of the issues that many different peoples have, you know, endured. But don't ever forget that we can teach people. We have to model it for our children and for others, the sense of it will not keep us down. We will not be defined by our history. We will not be defined by the traumas of the past or even you know, present. And we will move forward. And we're going to move forward with strength, conviction, uh, you know, solidarity. And it's, it's so important for, for parents to, to model this because the children are absorbing it. They are seeing how the parents are talking about it, how they're acting, their demeanor. And whether it's parents, whether it's teachers, professors, we cannot let people fall into this victim role. It does nobody any good. We have to strengthen, uh, you know, today's youth and others. And I just don't see that happening enough. And I hope that we can maybe turn tragedies like this into a good thing, which is a reminder. This is the time when we need to, you know, again, find our strength, share it with others and encourage others to, to again, to develop that, that sense of resolve. Well, I guess Jewish history is a history of resiliency. Rabbi Splansky, what would you like to leave us with? We are um, building here at Holy Blossom Temple. Um, and yesterday I sat in our services and I heard the drilling on the other side of the wall. And I thought, music to my ears, right? We are building the Jewish future um, we had the sounds of our, our children singing prayers, and then I went um, to a wedding, and there was a, a dance of a horror with such joy you, you wouldn't believe it. That is the Judaism that I live in. Those are the people uh, that I make my home with, and um, that's where I find my greatest comfort. Okay, thank you so much for that, Rabbi Yael Splansky from Holy Blossom Temple and psychologist Dr. Oren Amate. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.